check, check, there I am. All right, good to see y'all. So, um, if you've come here for any amount of time, you know that um, I hardly ever focus on news headlines, and, and the reason is because we've got a gospel message, and we've got the Word of God that speaks to all of the news headlines, so we, need to fo- we don't need to focus on that. But today, I had to point one out. So, the Iowa Hawkeyes offense. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not, that's, that's not the one we're going to talk about. Um, that, yeah. But, no, here's, here's a headline um, that I saw this week. So, hundreds of Gaza Muslims convert to Christianity after Jesus appeared to them in a dream. Yeah, yeah. So, so praise God. Here's, here's the thing. I'm going to read a, a segment of the article with the caveat that it could be fake news, but I don't even care. And here's why. Because I'm going to pray that that happens even if it didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? So let me just read this. Um, so Christian professor Michael Lacona said reliable contacts serving war refugees in Gaza told him Conversions may have taken place among 200 Muslim men after they claimed Jesus visited them during a dream on the same night. Lacona recounted the bizarre occurrence in a post on Facebook. God is working in the midst of war. This news coming out of Palestine from underground Christian missionaries. Over the past two days, we have ministered to hundreds of fathers who have lost most, if not all, of their children in the war. As we moved these men to safety, we fed them, washed their clothes, and began to read the Bible to them, sharing the way of peace through Jesus, he wrote. Then a big miracle happened. Last night, Jesus appeared to more than 200 of them in their dreams, and they have come back to us to learn more from God's word and are asking how to follow Jesus. It was incredible. So let me just be clear. It, it, it all could be fabricated, but even if it is, Who cares? Either way, we need to pray that Jesus would appear to people in their dreams, however, in in whatever means possible to reach people. I did a quick search this week, and there are 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. That's 24% of the world population. So about a quarter of the world flat out denies Jesus. And that's just accounting for Muslims. There's more than that. So what if we prayed? For Jesus just to show up in people's dreams. Like, what if we just did that? I, in fact, I'm going to do it right now. So, Lord, I, I pray that even, I mean, with, with time, people are, like, it is the middle of the night at different places in the world right now. So I just pray that you would show up right now in people's dreams and that people would wake up and go, wow, I, I need to get to know Jesus, and they would go and talk to someone um, that that can point them to your word and to the gospel. And um, Just pray, just whatever means possible, just pray that you would reach people for Jesus. We pray this in your name, amen. All right, so hard shift. Just had to share that with you, though. Hard shift. We're doing a marriage series in December, and here's why. Um, and here's why we're doing this and, and instead of a Christmas or Advent series. Um, and we will focus on Christmas on Christmas Eve, of course, so don't, don't worry. But as elders, we just noticed that people need more 
focus right now, especially during the holidays, on their marriage. Because marriage is hard work. And it's even more stressful during the holidays for a lot of people. So, if you're here and you're like, okay, cool, we're focusing on marriage. I'm not married. What's this got to do with me? Well, perhaps someday you will be married. And this would be a great time to start preparing yourself because you don't wake up and magically become a fantastic God-honoring spouse. It doesn't work that way. Your preparation is actually right now if, if God would have you get married someday and you're not currently. Um, but for others of you, here's the deal. A lot of the principles in these messages will be helpful to you in all the relationships in your life. This, these, these principles transcend, most of them transcend relationship with a spouse to to all sorts of relationships. So a phrase we often hear in the church around marriage is Christ-centered marriage. And for good reason, that's that's what any good marriage should strive for, to be a Christ-centered marriage. But what are we talking about? What is a Christ-centered marriage? So over the next few weeks, just wanted to give you four keys to a Christ-centered marriage, and, and just one word for each week, and we're going to spend the next few weeks just breaking these down. Um, so secure, assertive, selfless, and intentional. Now, this isn't comprehensive by, by any means, um, but these are essential things to a Christ-centered marriage, and I didn't even try to do this, okay? But if you make an acronym out of it, it's sassy, so... We're, we're going to seek to have sassy marriages, but not with a Y, with an I, all right? That, with a Y is maybe opposite of what we're trying to go after. So, um, but perhaps this, maybe even this corny acronym could, could just come back to you on days when you're struggling in your marriage, when, when it's just, it's hard. And by the Holy Spirit's power and strength, maybe, maybe you can remember one or two of these words and, and, and it will help point you back to Scripture and, and give you strength to, to fight for your marriage. And so that's our hope. That's our prayer over the next few weeks. So we're going to have a main scripture that we focus on each week. And today it's in Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, if you turn there with us, Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. And if you want to uh, do a little homework ahead of time, next week we'll be in Ephesians 4, the chapter before, Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. But today, we're going to focus in on Ephesians 5, verses 22 to 33. We're reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible, Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, 
since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Now, there's a ton packed into these verses. And I could have uh, done a a whole message just breaking down um, lots of different things in here. Could have broke down husband's roles, wives' roles. We actually did that. If you go a couple years back, early 2021, we did a series called The Family and focused in on that. You can can find those on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or on... um, our church website as well. But basically, just to sum it up, wives are called to respectful submission and husbands are called to loving leadership. And any, any husband who truly loves his wife like Christ loved the church, there isn't a woman alive that wouldn't gladly submit to that type of loving leadership. Now, I'd love, I'd love to sit down with you and talk to you more about that, about what that means and what that doesn't mean. Um, or you can go back and listen to those messages. So if you want to do that, let's talk. I know I'm, I'm just flying over some really kind of difficult things to grasp and, and, and to hang on to. But today I want to focus on a few other important truths in this text. See, there's an underlying assumption in this passage that is actually the foundation for everything in this passage. So husbands and wives, their, their roles respecting, loving one another, all of that is built on this underlying assumption. And here it is. Any husband or wife must first find their security in Christ alone. Any husband or wife must first find their security in Christ alone. If you look at it, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit as to the Lord. Verse 25, husbands, love just as Christ loved. So both of those assume that you're already submitting to the Lord yourself. And they assume that you're already experiencing the love of Christ yourself. It assumes you're already secure in Christ as an individual. So maybe you're here today and your marriage is just on the brink of divorce. Or maybe you're here and your marriage is just kind of stale and passionless. Or maybe you're here today and your, your marriage has some minor struggles, but struggles nonetheless. Here's the deal. Buying them flowers, jewelry, or a new power drill won't fix it. Forcing yourself to compliment and encourage them won't work. Spending a relaxing weekend away with them won't help. It might make it worse. By the way, all of those things aren't inherently bad. They could be very good for a marriage. Let me, let me say that as well. But the starting point has to be finding your security, love, and acceptance in Christ. You need to remind yourself daily of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what enables you to have any sort of fruitful relationship or healthy relationship with anybody, much less a marriage. Why? Otherwise, all of your effort to love and respect and serve your spouse will be empty. Now, let me, let me put it like this. It would be absolutely foolish of me to try to fill this cup up with water 
with another cup that doesn't have anything in it. It's impossible to do so, right? But if I first go and get this cup filled up with water, then I will be filled up to pour into someone else. And so I'm going to go fill this up with water. And what's interesting is, um, hopefully you guys can still hear me while I'm doing, the, doing this, it takes time. It takes time to fill your cup up, to, to be filled up with the love and acceptance of Christ. Could you guys hear me that whole time? Are we good? Oh, wow, good. That's, that's kind of fun. Um, try preaching from back there sometime. <laughs> the voice of God. It would be fun. Um, but the point is that it takes time. Like you don't just you don't just wake up and go, oh, I'm secure in Christ. I'm re- you know, I'm really experiencing the love of Christ. I'm I feel really accepted. No, no, no. Like you have to take some time. Just like it took me some time to go back there. You, it takes some time to be filled up by Christ. But as you do that, if you are filled up, then you are filled up to be able to pour out. And that's the only shot you have to be able to love anyone else. You see, there's no shortcuts. We have to immerse ourselves in the ordinary means of God's grace. And what are those? The Word of God. We need to go to scriptures like Romans 8 often that remind us of who we are in Christ. Prayer. We need to come to Jesus regularly and desperately going, Jesus, I need you today. You see, one of the most important disciplines in my life for my marriage is on my way home the last couple minutes just begging God to give me strength and patience to love my wife like Jesus loves me and to love my kids like Jesus loves me. And when I don't do that discipline, there's a huge difference. We need community. We need community. We need a connection group, a Bible study, a counselor, a friend. We need need people who are following Jesus around us. We need the ordinary means of God's grace being poured into our lives if we're going to have a shot to be a Christ-centered spouse. See, some of you may need a complete overhaul of your schedule in your life right now. But isn't Christ worth it? Isn't your spouse worth it? Others of us just need a few vitally important tweaks here or there in our lives to find our security in Christ. But is not Christ worth it? Isn't our wife or our husband worth it? Security cannot be found in any other person or relationship. It's only found in Jesus Christ. Heather and I, our wedding verse was 1 John 4.19 that says, We love, why, how, we love Because Christ first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Loving others is about giving. It's not about taking. If you're not first receiving the love of Christ, you'll inevitably just try to take from your spouse, not give. You see, your spouse is a terrible savior. Hate to break it to you. But your spouse is a terrible savior. They can't give you what only God is designed to give you. So the foundation for a healthy relationship of any 
kind is security in Christ. The more you rest in the love and acceptance and security in Christ, the more you'll seek to give and to pour out to your spouse in a healthy way. But the more you look to others for love and acceptance and security, the more you'll actually just seek to take from them. And you'll have really unhealthy relationships. And you'll find yourself very alone. We love because he first loved us. That, that's our security. That's our foundation. Everything else we say about marriage from here on out in this series won't matter if we don't get this down. Security in Christ means not finding your security in others. And so we see in, in our passage today in Ephesians 5, there's common people that we tend to look to for security instead of Christ in our marriage. And so I'm just going to call them security thieves. And so the, the first security thief we see in here is actually our spouse. Notice that Ephesians 5 doesn't say to love, respect, submit if your spouse reciprocates. Nope. It's unconditional. How do we do that? By, the, by receiving and Resting in the unconditional love of God and finding our security in Him. You see verse 29 here, it says, For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. See, over and over in this passage, you have the just as Christ, just as Christ. It just keeps coming back to this. You first have to be receiving from Christ. Christ gives you your security, not your spouse. So I said it before, and I'll say it again. Your spouse is a terrible savior. Translation, if you find security in your spouse more than Christ, you will be disappointed. He or she is a sinful human, and it's a matter of time before they let you down. Now, couples that are struggling that I meet with, they've all had one thing in common. One or both of them was looking for their spouse for ultimate security. And they were left disappointed. Often it's finger pointing. He did that. She said that. He did that. She said that. Pastor Matt Chandler put it best in his book, Mingling of Souls. And I think we have this for you on the screen. Next slide. Really, all frustration is birthed out of unmet expectations, and so is nearly every conflict. Just, just chew on that for a while today, this week. It's profound. See, it probably isn't that your expectations of your spouse are wrong. They're, they're just misplaced. See, subtly, we all, myself included, start to drift towards looking to our spouse for hope and for life and for peace and joy and security, but, but only God can deliver on those expectations fully. See, 1 Corinthians 7.5 says this, Do not deprive one another, except when you agree for a time to devote yourselves to prayer, then come together again. Otherwise, Satan may tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, Paul is talking about marriage in 1 Corinthians 7. And the focus is often on the fact that you're not supposed to deprive each other of physical intimacy. 
Especially guys love to bring this one up, right? She don't deprive, right? It does teach that. But don't miss what else this verse teaches. It's good for short seasons not to be physically intimate. And it's good to do that with the intentional purpose of you both devoting yourselves to prayer. Why? Why devote yourselves to prayer for a season? Because it helps rewire and realign your affections to God. He is my ultimate satisfaction, not her or him. He is my ultimate security and joy. We're abstaining right now to rekindle our first love. Psalm 118.8 said it like this, It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. See, it's good and healthy in, in your marriage to actually pray things like this often. To pray things like, Jesus, I love you more than my spouse. Jesus, help me not find my hope in her today, but in you. And as I do that, let it free me to sacrificially and unconditionally love my wife or my husband. But Jesus, I love you more than my spouse. So that's security thief number one, our spouse. Security thief number two, parents. Your parents. Ephesians 5.31, which Interestingly enough, is also Genesis 2.24 and Matthew 19.5. It says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I think it's incredibly profound that Moses, Jesus, and Paul all said the same thing. See, whenever God repeats himself in Scripture, you know you better really listen and, and take note. And so this concept is, is what is known as leave and cleave. So it, it means this. Your security cannot continue to be found in your relationship with your mom or your dad after you get married. A healthy shift should occur in those relationships. And if there isn't a healthy shift, there'll inevitably be marital problems. Let, let me put it like this. If, if one of my sons gets married and they're still calling mom every day for an hour and I notice this for like a week, I'm going to sit down with my son and go, are you connecting emotionally that much with your wife? And if he's not, this needs to change. There's a shift. If my daughter gets married and keeps asking me for money, over and over and over for little things, I'm sitting down with them as a couple and saying, hey, why aren't you guys making enough money? Why aren't you budgeting well enough? Like, y'all need to, to leave and cleave here. There, there, there's a good thing that, that needs to happen here, and I want to help this happen. So it doesn't mean that you don't continue to connect with and respect and help your parents that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what this verse is saying at all. It just means that the relationship is different. You need to become way less dependent on your parents. Some of you are like, Matt, we've got this down. I haven't spoken to my parents for 10 years. 
And while there might be some extreme circumstances that warrant that boundary, for most of you, if that's you, or maybe not 10 years, but you haven't spoken for a while, if that's you, you're probably just running and hiding. You see, God is actually calling you to extend forgiveness, the same forgiveness that he gave to you. God's heart is reconciliation. But some of you need to just get way better at detaching from mom and dad. This may be the main thing standing between you and your spouse right now. Until you, and until you take that seriously, you're going to struggle a ton in your marriage. In marriage, our ultimate security is to be found in Christ. Then, the closest human relationship must be with your spouse. If it's a toss-up about who you're closer to, your mom or your spouse, your dad or your spouse, the check engine light should be on in your marriage. Security thief number three, your kids. So same verse, Ephesians 5.31, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, it doesn't say anything about kids in here, but notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, hey, and be joined to your kids once you have them. No. Your kids cannot give your marriage security. And if they do, as soon as they graduate, you'll probably get a divorce. Unapologetically, your kids need to hear and experience from you that you love your spouse more than you love them. Joy, I love you and I would give my life for you, but I love your mom way more than I love you. And that's healthy for you to hear. Husbands, who do you sacrifice money, time, energy, and thoughtfulness on the most? Your kids or your wife? If it's not your wife, she's going to get jealous and probably already is. Wives, who do you go out of your way to please the most? Your kids or your husband? If not your husband, he's going to start to feel unwanted and probably already is. Kids are an incredible gift from God and a huge responsibility given to us by God, but don't let them become your God. And don't let them become more important to you than your spouse. Now I want to talk a little bit about finding security in our purpose in marriage. So in this passage in Ephesians 5, it talks about the purpose of marriage so 532, it says this mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And he talks about this analogy over and over, Christ and the church. This is the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage is to reflect Christ and the church, to reflect the relationship between Jesus and his people. So how do we live that out? How do we live out this purpose and reflect Christ and the church? Well, it, it has to mean that we forgive one another as Christ forgives us. You need to let your kids, if you have them, and other people see you apologize. They need to see that you're not perfect. 
It shows others that they also can be forgiven by Christ. See, following Jesus isn't, being, isn't about being perfect as much as some people like to make it seem like that. Following Jesus is about being perfect and it's about being repentant. See, I'm not perfect, but Jesus was for me by going to the cross, so I need his grace and his mercy every day. So every time that we screw up and go and say we're sorry and ask for forgiveness, and we extend that to one another in marriage, it's showing people, hey, this is how God relates to man. We live out this purpose of of reflecting Christ in the church by bearing with each other, just as Christ bears with us. Remember when you first got married and you learned all their gross habits? Like, Heather learned that I actually never cut my fingernails because I chew them off and spit them out in the car. Yeah, you probably didn't want to know that. Um, So as, as you bear with and put up with those types of gross things, pe- see, people see that, and they actually learn that, that, oh, God isn't afraid of me. He puts up with us in our strange weirdness and, and weaknesses. So we reflect Christ in the church by bearing with one another, just as God bears with us, and and. We reflect Christ in the church by enjoying one another, just as Christ enjoys us and we enjoy him. See, if, if people see that you are annoyed, grumpy, and miserable in your marriage, just putting up with the old ball and chain, that's what you're saying Jesus' attitude is toward them. Annoyed, rolling your eyes, stuck with us. But Jesus isn't annoyed rolling his eyes and stuck with us. Jesus isn't grumpy and miserable with us. Jesus genuinely enjoys us in spite of us, in spite of our flaws. See, there's a lot of security found in purpose. If you're in a job where you really feel like what you're doing matters, there's a lot of security in that. But if you're in a job where you feel like what you're doing makes no difference at all, you'll be pretty insecure. See, your purpose in marriage is to show others what Jesus is like with them in relationship. So how you treat your spouse, for better or worse, is is a living, breathing example of how Jesus treats us. And that is incredibly weighty, but yet incredibly beautiful. So as we all stumble our way forward in this great purpose of displaying Christ, our ultimate security isn't found in our purpose. Our ultimate security isn't found in our spouse. Our ultimate security isn't found in our parents. And our ultimate security isn't found in our kids. Our ultimate security, satisfaction, hope, and joy is found in Jesus Christ. And apart from him, we can do nothing, especially have a Christ-centered marriage. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you. And marriage is hard. And so I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would just give each person in here that's married just a lot of grace and strength this week. I pray that they would, they would just remember some of the things in your word and remember some of the things that were said that were helpful today and, and apply them to their lives. 
I pray most, Lord, that even as we sing this morning, that we would find our security and our joy and our hope in you more than we find it in anyone or anything else. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.